Welcome to Thriller Vault, where thriller writers tell their favorite stories. I'm your host, Phil Williams, and tonight I have a gritty thriller for you from Ted Galdi titled The Split. That security guard didn't have a chance, Chase says in the passenger seat of the Jaguar. Gavin, 38, stocky build, chuckles at the wheel. Oh man, Chase says. When he saw your gun, then you told him, wait, what was the exact thing again? I don't want to mess it up. Either we're leaving with the hefty bag, or you're leaving in a body bag. That's showmanship. You need a little of that, you know? I can learn from a guy like you, man. I really can. As Gavin drives deeper into the Nevada desert, Chase reaches to the back seat, grabs a black hefty bag of cash, and begins counting it. In a few minutes, he says, After the split with Dorian, we should walk away with about 60 G's each. Not bad. Game-changing, for me at least. I know you've probably done bigger. This will give me a boost. Finally get that new apartment, take my girl on a trip. Chase flips through his phone, stopping on a photo, angling his screen for Gavin to see. Beautiful, right? Gavin glances at an attractive brunette with sleeves of tattoos about Chase's age, 19, posing with him at the Caesars Palace pool. Super hot. Gavin says. Nice. Smart, too. Smarter than me, that's for sure. Don't talk down on yourself, kid. You did a solid job today. Dorian's a good boss. Keep that up. Keep your head down, and he'll take care of you just like he's done for me. How long you been working for him? Five years. Come September. I had a corporate gig. Was also running a forged ticket business out of my apartment at night for all the shows the tourists go to at the hotels. The cops had no idea what I was up to, but Dorian did, found me and offered me a position. Soon he turned this into a career for me. Don't know what I'd do without him. Wait, you worked in like a regular office with regular people? Microsoft Outlook, the building key card on my waist, cubicle, the whole deal. Damn, man. Chase brushes his long blonde hair from his eyes. Gavin the... Gavin the... Director of Business Involvements. I don't know. Is that like a thing? What are the things even called? My title was Senior Supply Chain Administrator. I think one of the guys my mom dated when I was a kid was called something like that. Well, I feel bad for him because it sucked. Really boring, I bet. Of course. But that wasn't the worst part. It was all the BS... Like you walk in and there's this unspoken agreement that nobody can act like themselves. It's like they want your brain on so you can do the work, but the rest of you off, and everyone goes along with it. Like, what's an example? Alright, when you're in a meeting with a moron, which happens almost daily, and they have a dumb idea and all you want to do is tell them it's a dumb idea and walk out so you can finish your own work, you have to sit there for an hour with a fake smile on your face while they go through a PowerPoint. What's a PowerPoint? You don't want to know. And you could never speak of money. The real reason everyone drags their ass there every day, you have to walk around acting like you're not there for the paycheck. Like you're not there to pay your rent and buy food and take a chick out on a date or whatever, but because you're excited about the company's core values. Sounds like a cult. It basically was. But what I do now, what both of us do now, at least it's honest. This is our work. Gavin points at the hefty bag of cash on Chase's lap. We don't pretend we're working for anything other than the money. 
They veer toward the latitude and longitude coordinates of the meetup spot. Gavin's phone vibrates in his pocket. He checks it. A text message from Dorian. Update from my snitch in the Las Vegas PD. He said the strip club's security guard told cops he saw a young guy staking out the back exit last night. No mask. When they watch the surveillance video, they'll have Chase's face. They arrest him. They're going to try to get him to give me up. I only know him a few months. Don't trust him enough to take a gamble. You're going to have to handle this before it turns into a problem. Gavin's shoulder muscles tense. He pictures the last sentence of the message in his head, goes over it a couple times and writes back, You mean handle permanently? Dorian replies, Yes. Music, bro? Chase asks. Gavin flinches. You alright? Chase asks. Fine. So, music? Sure, whatever, sure. Chase turns on the radio and scans to a station playing Led Zeppelin's The Rain Song. His hands tap the bag of money to the rhythm. Gavin texts Dorian. I do scams and robberies, not anything like this. Don't you have experienced guys for it? Dorian texts back. You're with him now, in the middle of the desert, and you have a gun. You're the best person for the job. I thought I could count on you. Gavin's muscles tighten even more. Chase rolls down the window, the summer heat seeping into the Jaguar. He sticks his arm outside, cups his hand, and says, I always like doing this as a kid. Close your eyes and the wind feels like a cantaloupe or something you're holding. Shut that. The goddamn money is going to blow out. Sorry. He rolls the window up. Gavin turns off the road, drives across the sandy terrain toward the coordinates. You mentioned you like showmanship, he says. I've got an idea. Let's get out of the car a few minutes early, stack all the money up on my hood. Dorian will appreciate the visual when he pulls up. Love it. Let's go with a pyramid shape. Sure, kid. Gavin parks. Chase steps into the sunshine with the hefty bag and pours the cash on the hood. Gavin inches up a cuff of his slacks and slips the Glock 42 from his ankle holster. As Chase organizes the money into piles, his face radiates a childlike joy. Gavin slides the gun in the back of his waist and gets out of the car. I've got half the foundation down, Chase says. Looking good. Gavin paces behind him. He watches Chase's elbows swing, his shaggy hair sway. Gavin grips the gun. He tells himself he's not a killer, that he's just doing a job, that death is part of his career the same as it is for cops and soldiers. The conscious energy allotted to these thoughts must distract him on some level because he messes up. Blam! His index finger taps the trigger early, the gun firing. Chase spins his head toward the commotion. Blood squirts from a hole about six inches above Gavin's right hip. His knees bang onto the hard desert floor. He topples on his side. Gavin! Chase yells. He scurries to his accomplice, kneeling beside him in the loose gun. What the hell? I was adjusting my pants and it just went off. Gavin glimpses the six-figure sum of cash on the car and supposes Chase will take it all for himself once he figures out Gavin can't get up, drive away before Dorian gets there. Uh, I watch a lot of medical shows on TV, Chase says. Let's see. He untucks Gavin's shirt and lifts the material around his chest, gazes at the wound, winces. Is it bad? Define bad. 
Gavin coughs, blood spraying out of his mouth. Listen to me. He grabs Chase's collar. He goes by a different name. Different last name. Who? Robert. My son. Robert Hopper. Washington State. Find him on the internet. Tell him I plan to make things different one day. And and his mother, Larissa Hopper, tell her, just tell her that I'm sorry. No, tell them yourself. You're not dying, damn it. We need to stop the bleeding. Uh, hang tight. Chase dashes after the discarded hefty bag, gliding in the breeze across the desert. He snatches it, hustles back, and ties it around Gavin's torso, applying pressure to the gunshot. We've got to get back to Vegas, bring you to a hospital. Chase helps Gavin to his feet, hooks Gavin's arm around his neck, and leads him to the car's passenger seat, then loads armfuls of money into the trunk, leaving scattered bills behind and climbs behind the wheel. He starts the engine and makes a call. Hey, he says into the phone. We made it to the spot, but but we had to leave. No, Las Vegas Memorial Hospital. He explains to Dorian a gun mishap, assures him the situation is under control and hangs up. They drive. The numbness that's been in Gavin's toes and fingers swells through him. By the time the Vegas Strip appears on the horizon, he seems to himself a disembodied mind. Don't go inside, he says. Where? The hospital. Cops are usually there. They they know your face. Know you were part of the thing at the strip club. What? No, they don't. Trust me, they do. How? Now's not the time for questions. Just drop me off. Park my car in the visitor garage. Leave the keys inside. Keep Dorian's cut in the trunk. You you take mine. Walk away. Get out of Vegas. The state. Go with your girl. Start a new life. That's your money. You're going to live. You're going to have a chance to spend it. Why? Holy shit, kid. No more questions. It's yours. Now shut up about it. As the Las Vegas Memorial Hospital comes into view, Gavin's eyelids close. He loses consciousness. Blackness for a while. When his eyes open, he sees the outline of his legs under a blanket, an IV needle in one hand, a fingertip pulse reader on the other. He blinks a few times, his vision clearing, the details of the hospital room emerging. Under the blanket, he notices plump white bandaging over his gunshot. Soon, a nurse knocks on the door. She explains to Gavin the successful surgery he underwent, tells him his belongings are in the bedside drawer. He thanks her, then stares out the window for a while at the setting sun. He grabs his cell phone and texts his ex, Larissa. Hey, I know it's been a while. Hope you're well. I had a strange day, in a bad way, but also a good way. Made me think about things. I know you'll never take me back, so I won't try, but I want to be a bigger part of Robbie's life. I'll drive up, say once a month to start. In about 40 minutes, she replies, You have some balls. We don't need you. Keep doing whatever it is you do with those people in Las Vegas. Leave us alone. He writes back, I know you don't need me, but Robbie might. If not now, someday. You really want him to grow up not knowing his father? Larissa, you had your opportunity with me. 
had your opportunity to be a father. Apparently that wasn't an exciting enough life for you. Gavin. It was a confusing time for me. I needed a change, and now I'm ready for another one. Once a month isn't much to ask. Larissa. Why assume Robbie wants anything to do with you? He has a great relationship with Walter. You coming up here will only confuse him. Gavin. Who's Walter? Larissa. I have my own life, same as you. Gavin. Of course. You're right. None of my business. But I'm the boy's father. That is my business. I just want a chance. Over an hour passes. She finally replies. We're not setting up a monthly thing. Come up here next week. Take him to lunch. That's all I'm allowing right now. Gavin. I can live with lunch. And I apologize for everything back then. You were right about a lot more than I gave you credit for. Larissa. Okay. A smile spreads on his face. He turns on the television with the remote. After flipping through channels, he stops on a reality show about fixing up houses. He watches three back-to-back episodes of a marathon, the sky out the window turning dark. A knock on the door. Standing in the entryway is Dorian, mid-fifties, shorts with expensive loafers. He holds a plant with a get-well sign poking out of the soil. How you feeling? he asks. Holding up? Dorian sets the plant on the night table and sits in a chair beside. Smiling, he pats Gavin on the thigh. If the bullet entered a couple inches over, Gavin says, I'm a dead man. Lucky. You've always been. Not in the casinos. Nobody is. They're rigged. Legally. Good business. Perfect business. You should apply for a permit. Dorian laughs. Gavin does too. A cough interrupts him. They taking proper care of you in here? Dorian asks. Seems so. If not, you let me know. I'll talk some sense into them. Appreciate that. What medicine they giving you? I don't know. They say penicillin was discovered by accident. You hear that? No. Sounds made up. Like an urban legend. A pause. Would you call something like that an urban legend? Or is that just for scary stories? I don't know. And why urban? You hear urban, you think big city. And most of these are about small towns. Like a ghost that walks around every now and then in a small town's graveyard. Too many people in big cities for stories like that to catch any momentum. Too many witnesses to say they never happened. Legend alone sounds too epic. They had to add a word in front of it. Probably should have gone the opposite direction. Said rural legend instead. Now that makes some sense. They stare at the television. On it, an energetic man smiling for the camera as he whacks wood with a hammer. I have to kill you, Dorian says. Gavin studies his expression, searching for a hint of sarcasm, but finds none. Huh? Thought I owed it to you to tell you in person, instead of just doing it. What, Chase? I told you to take him out. You didn't. So now I have to take you out. Those are the rules. He's not a threat to you. He's fleeing Nevada. The cops will never bring him in for questioning. Dorian stands. If he's really gone, I'll spare him. But I can't spare you. Other employees know I gave you the order. And now they know you disobeyed it. 
So if I don't take care of you, it makes me look like someone who can be disobeyed without consequence. And with a reputation like that, you can't remain boss of a criminal organization very long, now can you? Don't you want your money from the score? Let me live and I'll tell you where it is. Jesus, Dorian, this is nuts. I've been loyal. My reputation is worth far more than a few thousand dollars. I didn't cross you. I was doing what you asked. This was just a mistake. I believe you. Still, you didn't get it done. Whether because of defiance or incompetence, you failed to complete an order I gave. Gavin is silent for a while. You won't get away with this. I've gotten away with it plenty before. Who are you going to go to for help? A rival of mine? You have any idea how much you'd have to pay to off a guy like me? Or no, maybe the cops? What would you even tell them? Gavin picks up the gift plant and launches it at him. Dorian steps out of the way, the pot slamming into the wall. You asked me before, Dorian says, if I have guys on my payroll who specialize in this sort of thing. I do. They're waiting outside. Heal up. Walk out of here on your own two feet with some dignity. Then just let it happen. I'm not. Or try to run. If you get away, I have someone else ready to go after your son in Washington. Don't you dare go near my son. It's your choice. A pause. You should be proud of your career. You did good work for me. You had talent. You told me I was more than just an employee. Told me we were partners. This is how you treat most of what we say to other people as lies. Yet we're always so shocked when we learn someone lied to us. I wonder why. Dorian waves and leaves the room. Gavin gazes at the wall for a while. Though he is bound for death, a sense of hope sweeps over him. Not for himself, but Chase. Gavin texts him. You good? Chase. Yo, man. Yeah, me and my girl are driving to Austin. Gonna move here. Should be sick. You? Gavin. Remember one thing. You can't trust anybody but yourself, your own heart. But it'll change on you, so be careful. Chase. I think I'm gonna ask her to marry me. Buy a ring with the money. Gavin. You love her? Chase. A lot. Gavin. Then great. Good luck, kid. Chase. Thanks. When do you get out of the hospital? You should come visit. Gavin doesn't reply. He closes his eyes and thinks of Robbie. He knows he won't see him again in his life, but maybe he will in another. He tells himself he'd make better choices with a second chance at the world, but he isn't sure if he's lying. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Thriller Vault. That was The Split by Ted Galdi. If you'd like to find out more about Ted Galdi, visit his website at tedgaldi.com, or you can find his excellent thriller novels on Amazon.